Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go through the minds of people living in New York City. Being that I live in the city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's get ready to dive into these confessions with people I know and people that I've never met. Welcome back to the City Confessions. I have a special guest today. I have Jeremy, say it again. <laughs> Jacobowitz. Jeremy Jacobowitz, yep. also known as Brunch Boys on Instagram. Yep. And if you guys don't follow him, you have to because, first of all, your content is amazeball. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's obviously filled with food. And I think you have around like 470000 at the moment, yep. correct? Yep, $470,000. So that's amazing. And you are also my first male guest. so Truly honored. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully I could do my gender proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, this is going to be fun. So I approach you. Well, actually, no. I put this on Instagram just being like calling all native New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. And you responded. So this is my podcast, The City Confessions. I would like for you to first just introduce yourself and talk about your relationship with New York. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Westchester, which if you guys don't know, it is just north of the city, just the <laughs> suburbs. Even like Manhattanites like, oh, that's upstate. No, 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 no. It goes, it goes Manhattan, <laughs> Bronx, Westchester. Right. It's, it's still close enough. Uh, but so I grew up there and then came back to the city for school. I went to NYU. And then I, I've pretty much been here since then. So my whole life, I've lived in the New York City area. And I really couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And it, it, it defines, obviously, who I am as a person, but also professionally. I, I, nothing I've done professionally, I could have really done anywhere else. I, I used to be a TV producer before running Brunch Boys full time. Brunch Boys, really, I couldn't do without being in New York. But being a producer, it's pretty much just here or L.A. So it just it always made sense to be in New York. So can you tell me the transition between your TV producing career mm-hmm. to Brunch Boys? And just tell me about how Brunch Boys even got started. Right. Yeah. So I was I started in sports TV years and years and years ago and then made my way into food TV. I was uh, Bobby Flay's PA. So oh, just like I didn't know that. On, on set with him for years, traveling on country with him, doing everything. So in that sort of food TV world. Um, and then producing like food competition, food travel, all that kind of stuff. But it's a job where you are freelance and you're gig to gig and you have time off. And um, almost five years ago now, um, sorry, uh, almost five years ago now, I was just bored between gigs and I was like, oh, let me let me do something. Let me do something just to, like be creative and give myself something to do. And instead of Brunch Boys, it was just like, oh, let me just make some brunch videos. And there's no thought to it. There are no food Instagrams back then. There's no thought to what it became. Um but I started the Instagram with it because I was like, oh, I just picked the same brunch boys. I might as well own everything. Like, you know, give me something to do. But the Instagram started to bubble and take off. And about three and a half years ago now, um, I never really quit TV. I was on the road for a lot of food travel shows. And I was just honestly physically and mentally burnt out. And I was like, oh, what if I take a little break and just play brunch boys for a month and go back to work? 
and I, I never went back. <laughs> so I never made that whole transition. Oh, I'm going to quit my job. I just sort of started doing it. And also I was in a, I was in a profession where I went from job to job anyway. My whole thought process was, all right, well, if this, if I get bored by a bunch of boys or, or I don't make any money or whatever, I'll just go right back to TV. Like it wasn't a, this much easier transition than other careers would have. But yeah, so then it's been full time for three and a half years. I luckily never had to go back. But to me, I'm doing the same thing I always done. Like when I was in TV, I was producing. And what I view Brunch Boys is I'm still producing. I, I do a lot more now because when I was a producer, I was not technical at all. Like I didn't, I didn't know how to do anything. Like as a producer, you create what you want and then you tell other people to execute what you want. I want that shot. I want that edit. I want this to happen. Now that's on me, I've had to teach myself how to do that. I taught myself how to edit. I taught myself how to shoot. I taught myself, teach myself how to be on camera. I, I do every single aspect of it where before it was only one small part of making content. Right. So it seems like you were basically in it at the right time. Oh, 100%. I happened to have a food Instagram when food Instagrams became a thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think we have not necessarily the similar story, but just like how we got into it because also i met you at pavana's panel uh, yep. shout out to pavana <laughs> <laughs> she better be listening um so that's so interesting i would like to know now also are you just a team like by yourself like you do like you were saying everything it's just me i mean in terms of like the scope of the business i have an in-house manager so when people want to pay me right it, it goes through her and she sort of everything it's not like a restaurant shoot that i set up goes through her and she handles it um, in terms of content creation, when I have a budget or I really need help or it's some bigger idea, I will hire people here and there. But that is the a very, very small part of the content that I produce. It is just me. It is way cheaper for me to figure out how to do something rather than pay someone. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I'm the same way. Unless like I'm actually horrible at it, then I right. do believe in like outsourcing. Yeah. I mean, at some point, a decision is going to have to be made just because like I, I'm just too busy to do everything. And I think I'm getting close to that. Uh, and more and more I have to let go, which is honestly the Hard. hardest part. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for now, it's all me. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your what is your favorite part of the city? And of course, I have to ask, what is your least favorite part? Uh, just like overall, what yeah. I, I mean, I think just the energy and the vibe I, I've traveled all over the world. I've traveled a lot in America and it just doesn't exist anywhere else. I think that's what sort of drives you and pushes you and pushes you, especially when you're in a creative field. Mm -hmm. I think like just having and waking up to an energy makes you creative. I think if you wake up to no energy, you're not going to be creative that day. So I think that's, that's the best thing. I think the worst thing, oh, I don't know. I look at the positive, a lot of the things that people like to complain about New York, Mm -hmm. I look at the positives. I guess if there's one thing I could change, I wish it wasn't hot and humid in the summer because okay. I don't deal well with the humidity and I tend to lock myself in the apartment. <laughs> so you like the fact that we have four seasons, actually? Oh, I love it. You appreciate when it becomes fall after yes. that horrible humidity and summer, like you love it. You're so happy. And then the same thing with the spring after like a brutally cold winter. It's that first spring day and nothing feels better. I agree. I know some people can't stand the brutal winter or like you were saying about mm -hmm. like the crazy humidity but uh -huh. i think it's all about perspective and knowing that it's not permanent yeah it's so exactly. refreshing exactly like, you could look forward to the next season mm -hmm. so how would you describe new york in one word hmm one word um i know the idea i'm trying to get to I'm trying to think of what the word would be i would say um 
was that? <laughs> There's a ghost. Oh, no, my headphones fell. Um, in one word, I describe New York as motivation. I think that if you live in New York, you have to be motivated because you wouldn't survive. I agree 100%. So you think if you weren't in born here, would, how would I say this? First of all, would you have an interest to come here? And do so you think, obviously, your life would be 110, like, 10 times different? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think, like, when you're born here, you just have a very different perspective on it. I mean, I, I sort of see the way I grew up sort of both were, like, because I really moved out of the city when I was six, I have all these life, I have all these experiences and memories of growing up in Brooklyn, but still having a pretty large chunk of time not being in here. And I think that's really why I wanted to go to NYU, because even in that... 11 year difference when I wasn't living in there. I think I was just always drawn to coming back to the city at some point, just wanting to get back there sooner than later. Like when I looked at schools, I didn't want to go anywhere else. I did early admission to, to NYU and it wasn't particularly because NYU was so great, which, which it obviously is a good school or, or a program or anything. It was, I wanted to be in New York city. I wanted to be in a city. And I went to go look at other city schools and I was like, this isn't a city. <laughs> like when you're so used to New York city, you can't, it's just nothing compares to it. So how many years did you spend in Westchester? I moved up there when I was six and then moved back in, into the city when I was 18. So 12 and years, whatever in it was. those years, um, from six to 18, mm -hmm. were you often, did you find yourself in the city or did you kind Not of Not really. Okay. I mean, I, I think what happened was my parents still worked in the city and like they would spend all week doing the commute on the train, the subway on the weekends. The last thing they wanted to do is come back into New York City. Right. They're like, we have a house in the suburbs. Like, we want right. to enjoy this. So I, I really I really didn't. I probably did and just sort of like forgetting a little bit of it. But it wasn't until later teens when I like just had a, more of a drive. Obviously, I could do it all on my own anyway to come back into the city. And then when it was obviously up to me where to live and go to school, I was like, no, that all I want is New York City. That's interesting because I grew up in the city, like the Lower East Side like born and raised and I knew for me when I was looking at colleges I kind of wanted the whole campus feel mm -hmm. like what you see on television or movies like uh -huh. the frat parties and like the crazy football games and that's why I went to Syracuse <laughs> that's so definitely technically, that. uh -huh. right I didn't <laughs> leave New York State but I went upstate uh, you went to true upstate yeah and I also actually my decision my of going to college was either Syracuse or NYU because I got into NYU as mm -hmm. well. But I felt as much as I love, you know, the NYU neighborhood and all that, I just felt like it was too close to kind of like everything that I knew about yeah. or everything I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting. But I think also you grew up, well, you kind of had experience in Westchester, which is... Yes, exactly. So I did the suburbs for so right. long. I'm like, I, I mean, that's not, it's not living in New York City. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> After I get my guests to like give their little, you know, 411 on their mm -hmm. background, I often like to transition this to a more, I guess, serious note. Just uh -huh. about uh, what keeps you up at night. <laughs> and I know it's such an odd question, but I think I just want to preface this by saying that the reason why I ask is because I think your schedule is probably so crazy. Mm -hmm. Just with shooting, emailing, admin work. And I'm not sure if you ever have a time to like sit down and just like talk to your friends or family or whatever about like what's currently bothering you because at the end of the day you know instagram is a highlight reel and your life uh -huh. is not perfect right uh -huh. so i would just like to know like currently like what's up like 
<laughs> well, like I said, I'm very busy. So most times I pass out immediately when I get into bed. But <laughs> I guess the things that would keep me up, I think it really is just sort of like uh, looking big picture. I think like every day you're looking such small. You're looking at every last little detail. What's the next shoot? What's the next thing I'm going to do once when am I seeing my friends? Look at everything such small picture. I think the, the second you sort of bring your scope out a little bit, it, it freaks you out a little bit, you know? That's what'll keep me up at night. As soon as I start thinking big picture, like, what am I doing? What's happening? Why am I this little, little, little baby, tiny, <laughs> nothing speck of sand in the timeline of existence? Uh, that'll keep me up at night. <laughs> how do you feel? First of all, how does it feel to have so many followers? Like, does it ever, do you ever wake up and, and think like, wow? The, like, I'm just so curious because... I'm kind of in the same, you know, mm. industry, but because you have, I think like, for me, sometimes when people ask me, what is your Instagram? As that's such a common question. Mm. I see the reaction when they find your name or like they hit the follow button. So you think people obviously judge you and, and just how do you, how does that make you feel though? I don't know. I don't think they're judging me. <laughs> well, maybe not judging you, but like they obviously, if, okay, if somebody went on your account. Mm -hmm. And like they first meet you and you mm. introduce them, whatever, and you guys exchange information. There is a difference between somebody who sees your account with that number compared to if you didn't have that number. That's 100%, I feel. Right, yes. I mean, I, I, I just think it's cool. I mean, I went from the, to be doing the same job, seeing two different sides of it is interesting because like as a, like, again, going back to the fact that, like, I look at what I do the same way I did in TV. I just produce content and I highlight things and I tell stories and I'm doing all these things in very different different kinds of ways. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. But to go from a TV producer who literally no one ever knows who you are, your job is to be hidden. Your job is to highlight everything else. And your work is seen by lots of people, but you don't necessarily even get the credit. Even right. in the credits themselves, I would say it probably wasn't included. Mm -hmm. A lot of the shows they did were for Food Network, and they, and Food Network has these really insane rules about how many credits can be shown on their episodes because it's like, okay, it only lasts three seconds. You get to go show credit, so just you get to pick four people. So honestly, I never wow. even got credited <laughs> in most of the work I've done, and I do have an IMDb page, but it's so mm -hmm. screwed up because no one ever wants to pay to update it, right. so you can't even go there. So it's just fun to like do what I'm passionate about, but actually have people know that you're the one that that does it. It just it just adds something else. Like even right before coming here, I was uh, I, I went to Bread's Bakery just to get some lunch or whatever, got a tuna sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there and just like, you know, drinking my coffee, eating tuna sandwich. And some guy next to me was like, oh, are you the guy with that blog? And I'm like, hey, he's like, oh, my wife loves you. We're like, it's so crazy what you do. We're here from, I forget where they're from. But like we're, we're we're going to places that you mentioned, like oh, they were at amazing. Bread's Bakery. Which I've mentioned ten thousand times, mm -hmm. so maybe they saw it there. That's the kind of cool stuff. Like I don't know, I'm a TV producer, no one knew who the hell I was. No right. one cared who I was. Right. Do you <laughs> it's like fun. the attention? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> so do you get recognized a lot? Yeah, I, yeah, it happens. I mean, I, I'd say most New Yorkers like. Not that I'm a celebrity, but I would say like in, if I see a celebrity on the streets in New York, I don't bother anyone because right. like it's New York it's City. Exactly. No, people don't bother. They don't bother people. They don't give a shit. Yeah. But if you're out and like you have some drinks and then you feel more like, oh, yeah, I'll go say hi to that person. <laughs> I think that happens more to Got me. Got it. Of like, because I'll get stuff where like someone DM me like, oh, were you at this place today? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, we saw you. We just didn't want to say hi. I'm like, oh, we'll say hi right. next time. Where like if I'm out at a bar, like people will 
feel more inclined to be like, oh, hey, you're the brunch guy, right? I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get a photo. And then I take like a terrible photo of me, the flash <laughs> bouncing off my forehead, <laughs> red eye. Yeah, that's the thing you can't control. <laughs> no. <laughs> so wait, so you have an Instagram. You also are active on YouTube? Yeah, or? I've been trying to grow the YouTube. I thought it was important just um, A, that sort of we were discussing it for like just growing everywhere you can. I think like that's just helpful. And But even more so than that, I just wanted a place to do more creative stuff that has sort of felt boxed in a little bit by the content I could produce on Instagram. One, it's just having one minute videos. And yes, now there's IGTV, but IGTV still hasn't found its place of like what kind right. of content works. So have messing you, with it, and it's been, fun. Yeah? Okay. Uh, I just haven't found what works. And even from meeting with Instagram, with Instagram it's themselves, they don't necessarily know what's working. They, so like, it's been frustrating there, but YouTube it just felt like, okay, Here's a place where, A, it can grow a completely different audience. Right. It would be great to get a ton of views in IGTV, but at the end of the day, it's the same audience that would see my feed, mm -hmm. see my stories anyway. On YouTube, I could find a completely different audience because generally they're younger and the demographics are different there. But more so just a place so I could just be more creative and do different ideas and do more talking. I always say like on Instagram, especially the feed majority of people don't even have the sound on. So when you want to do different things and talk to different people and tell different stories, it's harder to do that in one minute of no sound. Or on YouTube, I have all the time in the world and you're sort of like, you are on YouTube, you're encouraged to do longer videos, if right, anything. Yeah. Like the algorithm is set for people to watch your videos for as long as possible. So to do an interview show that's 20 minutes or to do a long travel video or to really tell in-depth stories, I just think it's been really cool. And it's been a struggle to find what works on YouTube in terms of creative and algorithm wise and finding an audience and whatever, but it, it, it's been rewarding just to have something else to play with. So when did you start that? Actually, the you, what's funny is the YouTube channel predates all of Brunch Boys. Oh, wow. I've had that from the okay. beginning because like that was the original idea. The original idea of Brunch Boys was to do these weird like brunch videos. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't called Brunch Boys at the time on the YouTube channel. It wasn't just like my, my YouTube channel. Um, so a year ago, I put a couple of videos on there five years ago, forgot about it. <laughs> a year ago, I restarted it with pretty much no followers, switched everything over to Brunch Voice and started really trying to work on it. So it's been a year and I got 2000 subscribers in a year. It's amazing. It's really Ugh. hard on YouTube. It's hard. It's much harder than Instagram. Oh, uh, yes. Sure. I mean, I've had one viral video on YouTube and this was what like was an that? interesting thing was, um, the smoked watermelon ham from uh, Duck's Eatery. Okay, I'm so, not familiar. So what they did, so uh, Duck's Eatery is the same owners as um, Harry Nighters, and it's it's Will and Julie Horowitz. And Will is a smoking genius. Mm -hmm. And for years, it was meats that he would smoke. And a couple of years ago, he's like, what if I started like really trying to use these smoking techniques, but use it for vegetables and fruit? And just like, A, for people who just want to eat healthier or vegetarians or whatever, just more that... He really is a genius. Just wants to try and create new things. So um, he took a watermelon and treated it like a ham. So he scored it. He tr he smoked it. He like uh, pan seared or whatever, whatever his process was, and it comes out looking like a glistening Christmas ham. And then you cut into it, and it's a watermelon. What? Uh, it I was it was insane, and it come. I mean, it went viral on Instagram immediately, but it truly went viral on on YouTube. Where again, I, I have two thousand subscribers on YouTube, and the video has over one hundred forty thousand views. But so well, did he? Sorry, not since. Yeah, but did he do that little phenomenon? Like, would you? Was that the first time? For yeah. So oh mine was the first. So pretty much happened is I saw he was messing around. He wasn't even. I don't even think he was going to sell it. I think right. he was just messing around. Okay. On, 
his Instagram. Unfortunately, I followed his Instagram. I texted his sister and I was mm-hmm. like, I want to shoot this. <laughs> <laughs> then you had an eye. You were like, this, this is like, going to be great Yeah, content. this is going to be really cool. And literally like every media company for a couple months was emailing me for the footage and everyone else oh, went wow. in there, shot this and blah, 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 blah. But what was interesting is the reason why it went viral was it just triggered people in a very odd way and people mm-hmm. hate watched it. Mm-hmm. So it's 140,000 views, hundreds of comments and everybody hating the video. So wow. no one followed me from it, which is an interesting YouTube thing. Uh, but yeah, everyone's, I don't know, it just triggered people in such an odd way. It was like, how could he do this to a watermelon? It's like, I, I don't know. What do you mean? Who cares about the watermelon? <laughs> it's not a living it thing. Just, right. It's, it's just a watermelon. Yeah. And he like did something really genius and really creative. And if you just got over the fact that it's new and just mm-hmm. tried it, you would like it. But people are, uh, I mean, the people are very food ignorant mm-hmm. And anytime you do something new, people are just so shocked and offended. I'm like, I think that's a what happened. That's a viral dish that deserves to be viral because it's something Got so it. unique and creative and different. Where making a, a making a rainbow bagel, that's viral. That's what people care about. No, there's nothing. There's nothing to do with flavor or texture or anything that would change the way you eat that thing. They just put some food dye in it, and no one seems to have a problem with that. I'm like, this is the opposite side of the viral trend where it's like. They took something that wasn't supposed to go viral. They just created something so super cool, right. and it did. So let's talk about food ignorance for a little bit. <laughs> uh-huh. In your Instagram, do you ever get hate or just comments that are kind of like, wait, what? All the time. About food, though. Yes. Spit more about food. Because I think what happens is there's a lot of different sides to it. I think it's from the easy side of, I, I, I don't like that. Well, I always I respond calmly to everyone. Why don't you like that? Mm-hmm. I, I don't eat meat. I'm like, okay, well, you didn't not like that dish. You just don't eat meat, and that's fair. But it's right. so odd that you would complain about this one's restaurant or whatever. Or like when a burger is cooked medium rare and you see the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Gross. You're going to die from eating that. I'm like, well, I ate it, and I didn't die. And a properly cooked medium rare burger is mm-hmm. pink in the middle. So there's a lot of ignorance that way. I think there's a lot of ignorance in terms of um, – Again, sort of going back to people doing something new with a dish that someone knows well. So I'll post something. You know, uh, I did like a ravioli pizza from Rosa's Pizzeria. Mm -hmm. Rosa's Pizzeria has been in Queens forever. They opened up in Brooklyn. And I actually grew up with pasta on pizza. Like, it's not a new thing. It's it's kind of like a New York City thing. I got all these comments. Be like, I'm Italian and this is a disgrace to my culture and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, hold on. First of all. These flavors make sense together. These textures make sense together. It's not some wackadoo dish. And you're just going to hate it because it's not traditional, quote, unquote. I'm like, if people didn't take food and make it their own, then we'd still be eating matzah because that was what food was. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a good point. The yeah. whole point of food is taking something that's, quote, unquote, traditional mm-hmm. and then making it your own. And then we get something new out of it. And that's the fun of food. That's what every single chef does. And people have such problems when people try and do something new. And it's so odd to me. And I got feisty with, with some of them at the pizza place. Because someone when they were like, I'm Italian and I know pizza. I was like, well, guess what? I'm from New York. And we actually invented real pizza. So I know more about pizza than you do. <laughs> There's nothing like New York pizza. Let no, the pizza we all know as pizza right. came from New York. It did not come from, from Italy. So I thought I was like, no, you don't know anything. <laughs> Speaking of pizza, what is, is there your, a favorite spot? To get New York pizza. Oh, easy. Joe's. Oh, my God. I agree. It has to be Joe's. I love Joe's. Because mm-hmm. I feel like some, it's always a debate. 
But honestly, Shouldn't sometimes... be. Where else would you get, like, a, a real... Uh, I'd say this. There's a lot of different types of pizzas out there. Exactly. But if you're like, I want a New York City mm-hmm. slice of pizza, there's nothing that comes close to Joe's. I agree. That's something, yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> craving it now. <laughs> so I bet you also get asked a lot about, like, your top favorite restaurants. <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm sure it's, like, an annoying question because you're probably, like, what type? Or, like, it's such a broad question. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's broad. I mean, in terms of the questions, I don't like any asking. I mean, if someone asks top five, it depends on how I feel sometimes. <laughs> top five is easy, actually, because I could just rattle off five restaurants that come to my mind that I'm really loving right now. Mm-hmm. It's more when they ask me, like, I'm coming to New York and I'm on a budget and I don't want to leave Times Square and I want to do this. I'm like, I, I don't know. Restrict, don't have so much restriction. Starve yourself. I don't know what to do. Like, it's hard, especially when people say like on a budget. I'm like, everyone's budget's completely different. Mm-hmm. I could name something where I don't think is that expensive. And they're right. like, that's too expensive. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm not a concierge service. I'm really trying here. But I'd say the question I don't like mm-hmm. is where to get the best um, bottomless brunch, which I get all the time. And I really? hate that question. Because to me, uh, A, I don't, I don't really do bottomless brunch. But two, when I think of bottomless brunch, I think of, shitty brunch places i agree 100 and that's what they and do. you're gonna drink they get you drunk you're gonna, uh-huh so you're but barely because what they do is like all right so it's your entree is gonna be 15 bucks and it's 30 dollars for unlimited mimosas it is literally the worst alcohol they're mm-hmm. giving you it's mostly orange juice yeah. so you're mostly just getting high off of sugar and yeah you're not even getting good food so i just like i'm like i, I don't do that i look for what's the best food and they very rarely go hand in hand. And mm-hmm. I don't want to send you to a restaurant just because they had cheap drinks as a recommendation of mine. So it's really hard. Is someone just DMing on the way here. Can you tell me an unlimited an unlimited brunch spot on the weekday? I'm like, that does not exist. I don't know. <laughs> go spend money on real drinks and you'll only need two of them. Right. You don't need 30 drinks yeah, when they have true. enough alcohol in them. 100%. <laughs> Have you ever gave a recommendation to somebody and they came back and like did not like it or had a, have a crazy funny story? Um, not that they went and had a bad time. I've had people where I've given them a recommendation and they flat out just told me no. And I'm like, well. Oh, but they oh. didn't try it. They didn't. No, they or, might have been before. So I mean, like, oh, okay. I think someone said, uh, someone was like, I'm going to the, I'm going to be on the east side. I want standard brunch everything available blah blah and it was like and i actually literally like sometimes the questions are too hard i just like I, i'll get mm-hmm. back to it at some point i was like oh my god this is so easy the smith i'm like smith is always i just had this conversation this morning someone i love the smith Me i think too. the food is fantastic they have their menu is so giant that mm-hmm. you can bring anyone there so it's like oh my god this is thank god an easy answer i'm like go to the smith you'll love it and they're like no ha ha, ha. What, what else you got i'm like Whoa! I just told you my recommendation. Right. I'm sorry, like you, you didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I, how much research do you want me to do here? I gave you a place that I personally love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I'm also curious. <laughs> People are crazy these days, but I'm also curious to know because you know your career, your passion is so food related. What is the percentage of you actually maybe cooking at home versus going out to eat? Uh, I actually cook a lot at home. I mean, I don't really shoot ever at dinners, so very rarely I'm out at dinner. I might order in a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but I never really go to restaurants at night. It's just like I go to a restaurant at, during a day anyway. I, I, I don't want more food than that. So very, very rarely. So I'd say breakfast is usually at home and dinner is usually at home. So most of it's at home. It's like, the yeah. cooking is very simple. Right. It's not so extravagant meals, but like, all right, I did that at lunch. There's only so much extravagance you could eat. So, And then can you just walk me through a process of a shooting? Like... 
when you go there, like the whole setup, and then how much do you actually eat? Because I've obviously been at food events, <laughs> and I feel like seventy five percent of the time is revolving around shooting, which I get. Uh-huh. That's you know you need content, but sometimes people don't even eat it. Like, tell me, just um, walk me through your process. So what I do is during the week, I set up my shoots very much like I did if I was making a food TV show. They're video, they're video focused anyway most of the time, so I really have to do that. But I go in, the restaurant's either very quiet or probably closed, honestly. Mm-hmm. I have all my gear, of lights, I have tripods and cameras and everything else. I'm in the kitchen making a dish with the chef. I'm shooting up front. Do a video of one dish, maybe do photos of a couple other dishes and get out of there. They usually take about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, in terms of eating, uh, I, I honestly try not to have it be my meals. I taste everything because, A, I love food. And if I went there and didn't taste the food, like, I'd hate myself. Right. Two, I'm, I have to speak to the food in some way. Mm-hmm. I have to choose what to recommend to people. And if you don't eat the food, what, what's, what's the, the value point? of yeah. your account? Um, but in terms of, like, listen, I'll go there and I'll get five dishes. Like, you can't eat all of it anyway. Right. So you sort of have to pick and choose your battles. On the weekends, I try and go to real, sort of real brunches. So mm-hmm. they're not set up in the same way as a photo shoot. But I'm obviously still taking photos. But I'll go there. Okay, we bring three friends, order six dishes. And even then, you can't finish everything. But you, you know, that's more, I'll use that as a real meal. So I'll, I'll eat a lot more if I'm sitting down for brunch. But during the weekday, it's a photo shoot, in and out. Don't have time to sit and chat anyway. I'm there by myself mm-hmm. for the most part. So it's like, do I really want to spend time <laughs> sitting in an empty restaurant by right. myself, eating five dishes of food? There's nothing more sad than that. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two questions that just came up. Mm-hmm. One. Have you ever been invited to a restaurant and you try the food and you didn't like it? How do you handle that? And two, do you ever go to like a brunch spot or whatever, a restaurant and not reach out, like just for personal? Yeah. Uh, so for the first part, what happens when people email me or ask me to come to the restaurant or whatever is I do my research the same way I did my research when I was going when I was a food TV producer. So when I when I produce food travel shows, we would have to find the best restaurant in uh, Seattle or whatever. And I had to cast these shows without ever eating food there. So I think just through that experience, you develop a little bit of a sixth sense just doing your research or will this be good or not. Or from recommendations of, listen, this PR person, I know their PR company only works at good restaurants. Got it. I trust them. If it's mm-hmm. someone out of the blue who I don't know and it looks sort of off, I just say no. I honestly say no to way more restaurants than I ever mm-hmm. go to. Does it happen? Yes. It's happened here and there. And honestly, I've had to have just have very awkward emails <laughs> with PR people being like, I just I just can't. Well, sometimes I go to a restaurant, there's one dish I don't particularly like, but I love we'll the, o- but the I love the other right. dish. But then I post that dish. It's very rare that I have an experience where I'm like, I don't want anyone to ever go here. And I mm-hmm. try and just... I post about the highlights and I post about what I liked out of it. Um, in terms of uh, what was the other question? <laughs> I oh, forgot. do you go, do you like go to restaurants? Oh, just, right, right. right. Um, you know what? Very rarely, uh, mostly because I, I just don't have time. Like I go to a restaurant every day anyway, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to go to more restaurants than that. Mm-hmm. I think when I when I travel, sometimes it's harder to connect with restaurants to go to, so I'll just go. And the problem with that is it's not about like, oh, I mean, listen, the food's always comped when I'm obviously invited in. Mm-hmm. When I'm not invited, it's not comped. That's not really the problem when I go to restaurants I'm not invited into. It's more shooting. Like I go to this Got restaurant, it. like I'm very happy to pay for the food. But mm-hmm. if I can't have that one table with the best light and I and and no one knows what I'm doing, but I have all my my lenses and stuff like 
it just really complicates things and it makes it, it makes getting content so difficult when they right. don't know that I'm coming. That's really, really hard. So I, for the most part, I try and give them a heads up and like, hey, I'm, if I come in, please make sure I sit next to a natural mm-hmm. light window. Please make sure I have this and, and blah, 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 blah. Got it. So now I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the confession component of this podcast. <laughs> and basically, it's just, I mean, I think if you took a moment to just think about something that's been on your mind or something that like people don't know about, mm-hmm. whether it's funny, serious, good or bad, like nothing is off the tables. Like what is something, what is a confession that you kind of don't mind talking about but like honestly maybe nobody knows about or maybe just a few friends and family right well i mean the problem with having an a instagram like i do is there's very few things that are off the table i think like that's a connection you make with people and obviously there's some personal things that you don't ever there's just no reason to talk publicly Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. but i think in terms of like telling stories and this is a story that i will cheat it is a story that i've told year and there on instagram or online or whatever but i think a story that definitely everyone forgets because i get the opposite reaction every single day um and sort of is the story of my weight loss like i lost 100 pounds Mm -hmm. and the questions we get every day are like oh my god how do you say so skinny how do you do this blah 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 i'm like well actually like it's so much work it's insane Mm -hmm. and everyone's like i'm so jealous you could do it i'm like no it's just like listen i have to go to the gym every single day i'm very careful with what i eat it's a reason why i don't go to a thousand restaurants a day it's a reason why i only take a couple bites out of the dishes it's a reason like it's a struggle every single day to remember that i mean i lost 100 pounds maybe mm, seven or eight years ago so still for the majority of my life i was very overweight so you still don't ever super get over that fact and to be in a world where people just want to give you the most right. overindulgent food mm-hmm. every single second. It is a battle every single second to not put back on weight. And listen, I've certainly like the Instagram life as <laughs> you add a little bit of weight back on. I've mm-hmm. probably put on maybe, I don't know, 10 to 15 pounds, which is, I don't know, whatever it is, is what it is. But it's certainly a struggle and it's certainly so difficult. And people, they'll make comments. And even it's the opposite way too, or someone will make a comment about weight. I'm like, you don't even understand how much that actually sucks right. that you said that. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Where you're like, you shouldn't say any, you should you should never have to assume anything. You shouldn't be talking about a fucking stranger's weight online or whatever. I agree, yeah. And I think as a guy, I get less of it, thankfully, because mm-hmm. like most right. people don't yeah. really care. I think girls get it a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen the abuse that my friends get online about it, uh, but it's still such an, an odd thing. And just overall, the I guess getting to like, oh man, the trolls on the internet are, you don't let it affect you, but it's still just like, man, why is everyone so disgusting and mm-hmm. weird? Yeah. Like, I've got a lot, like, you look tired. I'm like, don't, okay, well, I am tired. What do you want from me? And, like, it's such an it's odd. It's just not necessary, the comments. Like, we're not friends. Like, if a friend came out to me, like, my mom says to me all the time I look tired. Okay, that's my mom. I could roll my eyes at her. When a stranger is like, you look tired, I'm like, I, I don't know who you are. Right. <laughs> Why are you telling me this? <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. On the flip side, have you gotten any, like, positive comments? I'm sure, like, people can in a way, even relate, right? Oh, 100%. The couple times I've told, I actually just got a message this morning because, oh, all right, I really cheated. I said, I told the story in another podcast too, I guess. But she was like, I just, this is like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I just heard the podcast this morning. She's like, and I just lost, I it took me a year and a half, but I've lost 35 pounds and it's really been a struggle. So it's so cool to see that like, 
that you like what you did. And and I think a lot about what I what I talked about too is not just the weight loss, which is really hard. And anyone that goes through that mm -hmm. like understands that, but also sort of the the everyday struggle of it, mm -hmm. of like it's you're never truly over it. And I think like especially the fact that like I think two things can happen when you lose a lot of weight. You lose it and you can never have a healthy relationship with food again. Because it was very difficult. I didn't losing the weight part of losing weight was doing the shakes and news like i really didn't eat real food for months mm -hmm. and i think when you get to that point you see how much weight loss it's very difficult to go back to eating food you're terrified of food so i think that happens where you never eat again and like what kind of life is that or the opposite happens where you are go done with your diet and yeah. you put it all right back on so i think the thing i'm most proud about is okay i was able to lose the weight pretty much keep the weight off but also maintain a, a, a pretty healthy relationship with food I think like a lot of people struggle with that, but yeah, I'll get messages like that. Uh, I've posted about online maybe in the five years, maybe twice. Just, just felt like, like in it. Like a caption or yeah, like I did like a before and after photo once, mm -hmm. or I just said like uh, like I was a um, <laughs> I was an ambassador for New York Sports Club, which to mm -hmm. me is like the weirdest thing ever. The fact that, like for over a year, actually my video still might be playing because I it lasted much longer than the partnership was supposed to. Uh, but like you would go to New York Sports Club and there I was on a TV screen working out and saying stuff like I would be at the gym and hear my own voice, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is very odd. But I think, yes, like people when when they reconnected that story here and there, there was like either. Yeah, like I'm going through it or, or really been trying. Is there anything I could do or like it, all those stories? And I think like, that's the connection that makes you really appreciate having a platform and having a voice and like. Oh, maybe even if you change one person's perspective on it, mm -hmm. I think that's so powerful. No, I agree. I think that's why I also wanted to create this platform as well, just to share stories of, again, like real New Yorkers or just New York residents. Because, you know, when you just look at the city, there's so many people and everybody's like constantly on the go. But it's mm -hmm. like people go through stuff all the time and you just have no idea. So 100%. I just wanted to like shed light on that. So speaking of that, obviously, you know, you told me that people have reached out to you. If somebody is going through that, like, what is your advice? And just like, how did you find balance and just like create this healthier relationship with mm -hmm. food? I mean, I think number one, everyone always wants to know, like, when someone loses weight, well, how'd you do it? Right. And like, obviously, I'm happy to share that story. But I think like what I've learned is that everyone's body is mm -hmm. so totally different that there's not one answer for every one person. So I mm -hmm. think it's finding a diet that works for you. A, works for you in terms of like, it actually works, you lose weight. But two, a diet that like you can achieve and you can do and you have the resources for it. And I think like that's that's the biggest struggle. Once you find something that works, I think you could really keep at it. Um, so I think like it is trying different things, but it, it I think it's hard to do like, like even the, like a 30 day cleanse or whatever. Like, listen, I, I did whole 30 almost. I didn't cut out tequila, but like I did whole 30, like 75%. Uh, I, I broke it by accident once and then I made it to day 28 and I really wanted sushi oh, and I so gave up. Close. Yeah. But I was like, I just want sushi. I don't give a shit. I can't <laughs> I close enough. Sushi. Yeah. I couldn't take it any longer. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is, is trying to find balance in everything that you do. And I go to the gym every, every single, almost every single day. And I try and eat healthy and okay, I will go and eat that cheeseburger. But the next meal I'm going to have a hard boiled egg or whatever. Like right. I think like you, you can indulge a little bit. I mean, when you're trying to lose a drastic amount of weight, you really can't. Yeah. You have to be straight. Um, but when you're just trying to drop a couple, like don't, don't feel bad because you gave into something, just make sure you wake up the next day and get right mm -hmm. back at it. There's certainly days when I have bad days and I'm like, 
okay, it's so much food. I feel gross, but all right. And the ne- only thing you could do is wake up the next day and, and feel better about it. And that's, that's like a good perspective that. So I think it's like finding what works for you, having a good perspective, but just keep, keep at it. There's, there's, you're only losing weight for yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, not disappointing anyone else. So just, you know, have self motivation to do it. And it's hard of time. And I certainly understand that. Like when I was in TV, I did not have time to ever go to the gym. Like I was on set at five in the morning every day and I get home to 10. The last thing I was going to do is would ever be to work out. Um, so I understand the workout working out part is hard, but then it just, it, it's even more important to find a diet that works for you. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> of course. I also just wanted to take a moment as we're wrapping up just to acknowledge you and appreciate you for taking your time out of your crazy day <laughs> to come and record this for me. Just because I feel like, again, as New Yorkers, I think time is so important mm-hmm. and to have somebody block out a certain time out of their schedule is a huge thing and people don't realize that <laughs> no. they don't and they don't they don't appreciate it so i just want to take this moment just to thank you for coming because you didn't have to you could have totally <laughs> said no and um, i volunteered I, myself <laughs> yeah so i appreciate it um on that note if you can thank new york city for one thing what would it be I mean, honestly, it's, it's given me everything. I think, like, a, like I said, I certainly wouldn't be the person that I am, or have the profession that I have, or, or, or really anything without it. So, just wake up every day and thankful for it. Yeah. And can you tell the audience what are you currently up to? Do you have any cool projects, or just like what's happening this year? I have I have a lot of travel coming up. Travel's very hard. I I get offered a lot of travel opportunities, and it's hard just physically, and mentally, it's hard to travel that much. And two, just business wise, it, it, it's honestly very hard to be out of New York. But I have a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, I go to LA a lot. So back in LA, Miami for South Beach uh, Wine Food Festival, shows my favorite. And then uh, I really want to go to Japan more than anything. Oh my god, have you been? Nope. So okay. it's the only I place went I want to go. Last year mm-hmm. for like the cherry blossom, it's my so when's that April? Place. Yeah, like the first week of yeah, April. Yeah, I'm thinking like March, April to go. It's my favorite place in the whole wide world. Like you this have is, to go. This is what this is all. And I think the about. food. Yeah, see, this is oh literally <laughs> all I think about every single day. So I just had to pull the trigger, but that's and it's going to be a lot of travel in a couple months. But uh, I I think it's going to be well worth it, especially yeah, Japan. That's all I want. Yeah, I hope you go because <laughs> I'm promising you're going to love it. So, yeah, I'll leave all the information in the description. So make sure to follow Jeremy. Um, thank you so much again for coming. Thank you for having and me. And stay tuned for the next episode. Okay. <laughs>